is up, everybody? Welcome to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and bandleaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. And this week, joining us from Atlanta as well, he is a singer, songwriter, instrumentalist, and currently best known as the band leader for the band Yacht Rock Review, Nicholas Nespajani in the house, you guys. Hey, guys. Welcome. What's up? Good to see you. Yeah, good having you. So, um, Nick, we're we've been kind of having conversations with other musicians in this kind of in this. I hate saying in this climate because I feel like it's the thing that we say over and over again. But um, for the people who may not know uh, who you are or who uh, Yacht Rock Review is, can you give us kind of like a little retrospective on uh, your kind of journey in the music world and how you kind of ended up where you guys are right now? So we, uh, we moved to Atlanta when we graduated college uh, and thought we were just coming here to try it out, you know? Um, Peter and Mark Cobb and I, who are still my bandmates in Yacht Rock Review, we had a little band called YOU that was like, we thought we were like God's gift to rock and roll, just like everybody does when they're 23. But, uh, you know, we had some, some success and I think we were a pretty good band, but we didn't end up like making it traditionally. So we were all kind of splintering off, getting ready to get into like real world careers. And we were just doing the, the club in town, the 10 high gave us a Thursday to do anything we wanted every Thursday. And we were goofing off trying all sorts of stuff. And one night we did a, an AM gold night that we ended up calling yacht rock. Cause like a few weeks before it, we discovered the YouTube series and we were like, Oh, that's a good name for this genre. Let's call it, let's call it yacht rock night. And, um, was packed and then that show became another show and all of a sudden it just kind of the ball started rolling down the hill and i think the combination of the charisma and the talent of the musicians kind of hitting at the right time with this um i think we were part of the like resurgence of that genre or like basically the discovery of yacht rock as a genre um and uh, it just was super serendipitous. We're really lucky. And so now that's like our full-time job until a few months ago. Um, it has been our full-time job for a while. And I think it will be again, but probably not for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So my first indicate, my first like interaction with you was actually my band opened up for YOU on like some weird July 4th thing in like Macon. Uh, and at that point, YOU featured a pre-Zach Brown band, uh, Clay Cook, I believe. That's right, yeah. We did that I, with you guys. Yeah, I remember that was at that little club in Macon, right? Is that where that was? I, I don't know. Was that, I feel like it was like an outdoor was thing. Was it outside? Lake, like there was a lake and they were going to do fireworks after the show oh, or something. Yeah. And I just know that we were loading in. You guys were doing a whole lot of love. And I was like, oh, these guys rule. And, uh, <laughs> that's funny. And yeah, then, that's right. You know, kind of going through both of our journeys, I ended up um, working with you guys for a little bit uh, doing uh, sub work for please rock under, you know, both of the umbrellas of your band and uh, yacht rock schooner. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've had a relationship for a, a little while and it's been like amazing to, you know, sit in with you guys at 10 high and then watch you guys do, you know, all the stuff that you've done since it's been crazy. So uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Um, so the, you, can you kind of like what explain to us the, the please rock organization? Like 
what that entails. I mean, you guys are more than just a, a working cover band. You actually are a, a full kind of like commercial entity uh, with a couple of different legs. So could you, uh, could you kind of break that down for us a little bit? Sure. I mean, kind of like Yacht Rock, it kind of grew organically. There wasn't like a grand plan to make Please Rock this or that. We've tried some things that were that we were maybe not as good at. And like, we've kind of discovered what we are pretty good at. Um, and, and I think that's kind of a constant search that every business owner has, right? Like what you were good at a couple of years ago might not be what you're going to be good at in a couple more years. So we're always trying to look in the mirror with that. But I mean, the, the main existence of our business, the main reason it, is, it exists is because of Yacht Rock Review. Cause it's a very busy touring merch, um, corporate gig, uh, kind of business. Um, so we have a great support staff and we do a lot of stuff in house, like all of our own social media, our marketing, a lot of our PR, all of our bookkeeping, um, merch reproduction. We have people that do all that stuff. So we don't like outsource any of that to companies, which are, we've had great experiences doing that in the past, but we've just figured out that for us having it all in house makes sense. And then, you know, speaking of organically, we were, we were um, getting all these gigs and there were more gigs than Yacht Rock could play. So we were like, let's create another Yacht Rock band. Um, so we created the Yacht Rock Schooner, who's now close to a full-time working band in their own right, like amazing group of players. And we've got several other bands that kind of, you know, people come to Please Rock now in Atlanta because they know they're looking for good, fun cover music that isn't like, right down the middle. There's something about each of our bands that makes them a little bit unique. And that's kind of our, that's our lane and we found it and it works pretty well for us. Um, we also, Peter and I, my business partner, please rock also started a music venue called Bankman's, which is obviously not open right now, but that was kind of another offshoot of this whole concept. Uh, restaurants and music venues are hard. Yep. I'm here to tell you, uh, well, like right now they're impossible, but like even before that it was hard. So, um, so yeah, we've just always kind of tried stuff and, you know, you think the, the reason we started the music venue is we were like, you know, how can we capitalize on this goodwill that we've built with Yacht Rock because the fad is going to run out and we need a backup plan. Yeah. And then as it turns out, the fad hasn't run out and the restaurant's a lot of work. So it, it like, you know, it's, uh, there's no crystal ball, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Vangman's is one of those amazing venues in the city. Um, it's one of the, one of our favorite places to play. So, you know, you guys have done a really good job of not only kind of casting the vision of what the venue stands for, like also, you know, running and operating a consistently good place to play and eat, you know, even, even when we're not playing, we still, you know, swing by and eat when it's open. So it's good yeah. stuff. It's a good vibe. And I feel like, you know, your band or our band, or there are lots of bands where like, there's not another venue in town where they necessarily totally fit, but yeah. there's something about our place that, and they're, they're, you know, it can be wildly different types of music. Like there can be the Atlanta Latin jazz orchestra one night, and then your eighties cover group another night, you know, and then, you know, we just had, before this all shut down, we had Anthony Hamilton booked for a residency once a month for six months, you know, like we, we had all the, this just great esoteric kind of weird vibe going that I'm really proud of. And I can't wait for it to come back. So I guess 
It's kind of the theme right now, isn't it? Can't wait for it to come back. That's kind of where we're at. Oh man. Yeah. Man, I tell you, we need that. We need that save our stages thing to happen, though. I'm, I don't know if you guys have talked about that at all on your show, but that's everywhere I go. Everybody I talk to, I, I blab about that a lot because it's it for independent music venues. Like it's going to be tough without it, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, but you guys were really coming into 2020 with some really solid steam. Um, you know, you had uh, been in the studio. You had cut a complete album of original music. You guys had gotten um, really solid write-ups in Rolling Stone and a bunch of other publications. Um, you guys were, you had a tour booked with Live Nation uh, to to play all over the country. Um, and, you know, I mean, the branding behind that was like all solid. And I know, I, I know you guys were ramping up production and like really ready to go and like give this, give this a shot. So like, what has that, what is this whole situation kind of, how did, how's that played out for you guys? as far as, you know, the business relationships and the dates that you had booked and all of that? Large unpaid credit card bills Mm -hmm. that still are sitting there. I mean, like, you know, we've always run our business like super conservatively, um, but there's a certain element to the cycle of releasing an album where I saw one musician describe it right when this started is like the tide goes out. Like you spend all the money scaling up your, your production, your crew, your, you know, we bought another van, another trailer. So we had two vans and two trailers. We did all of the vinyl and CD and had a publicist that we were, had on retainer. We, you know, we had all this stuff and we were scaled up and it was working, but like the really big dates, the dates in Boston and New York and Atlanta and Charlotte and some of our biggest markets hadn't um, played yet. So uh, the the money tide had not flowed back in when things shut down. So we really got stuck kind of holding the bag, you know, like we have, I don't know how, I, there are probably a dozen uh, Delta airline credits on my account right now from flights that I had booked that I couldn't use, you know, I mean, it was, it could not have hit us at a worse time. Even a month later, if we could have played a month more of shows, our financial situation would have been totally different. But it just just hit us in a bad spot um but it hit a lot of people less fortunate than me in a lot worse spots so i i'm not here to cry about it it was just like as a as a business owner it's tough to make that kind of investment and then get stuck with it but you know we know there our business will be back yes are you in a place where you feel like those investments can just be picked right up and you can roll with them again once the environment's right I mean, you know, we've got the airline credit credits. We've got the album is still out there. The album is a little bit of a sunk thing because, you know, when we go back out on tour next year, supporting an album that's a year and a half old next summer, like that's a little, that's tough. It's a little tougher. I mean, we'll still sell the merch bundles and, and you know, it might be different next summer because, every everyone else touring is going to be in the same situation and the one thing that i felt from our fans and just from music fans in general is that everyone wants to support music like it's important to everyone and our fans have been so generous with their energy and with their their money donating to our crew on our live streams that like maybe when we go out next summer maybe they will just be buying our record in droves because they're like we didn't get to do it when you're supposed to be in new york last March, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Um, I think audiences might be real, real hungry once things open up. I, I think there's a chance it'll hit really hard. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you kind of mentioned it kind of lightly, but one of the things that I, I did see you guys do when things started shutting down was that you guys pivoted really hard and have really kind of set up um, an infrastructure uh, to make sure that, you know, you kept your brand out in the, in the marketplace and that your awareness was you know, as high as it possibly could be. So, um, you know, I would say that as far as it musicians in, in this area, I mean, maybe even, you know, in, in larger markets, like you guys have really kind of cornered the, um, the live stream situation. Uh, basically every night of, I guess the week, not like, not necessarily weekends and stuff. One of the guys from your groups is doing their own individual live stream. Is that, is that correct? Um, almost, yeah. We have um, actually starting this week. Mark Cobb's doing a new, our drummer Mark Cobb's doing a new show on Wednesday nights, um, where he's like DJing like deep, kind of like groovy yacht rock songs and playing along on the drums. And it sounds like we've done some tests and it sounds really cool. So I'm excited about that. But we, yeah, we've got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now we'll have. Um, which we kind of was by accident, you know, I started on the Thursday and then other guys were like, well, I want to help too. And they started picking up and getting more serious about it and kind of, you know, up in their game in terms of gear and presentation and just trying to, uh, I mean, it's about, it's a little bit about keeping our brand out there. It's a little bit about, you know, raising money to help keep everybody in healthcare because we have healthcare for our whole company and we're trying to just make sure if we promise nothing else that that is going to be solid, you know, so that's kind of why we do the tips and everything. But, um, you know, it's, and it's a little, a little bit of it is just about like feeling like you maintain that connection and that energy with, with people. Like it's something that I, I guess I kind of took for granted. I was like, Oh, if I just never tour again, it wouldn't really bum me out that much. I don't, I didn't think I needed it to the extent that I do. And, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's not totally filled that void. It's kind of like pizza. Like even if the pizza is not that great, it's still pizza. Yeah. Like, <laughs> streaming is like the cauliflower pizza of pizza. Yeah. yeah there you go. I'll still eat it. it. Like I'll still eat an it. An okay facsimile yeah. of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the cool thing about the the live streaming that you guys are doing is that it's not just, you know, all of your guys doing, they're doing like the same thing. It's like every single one of them has their own kind of specific lane that they're in and a kind of angle that they're going for. Um, so like, you know, Peter is doing the live stream with his wife and they've got their own kind of like genre kind of era that they're kind of working through. And then, um, the, one of your other marks, Mark Bencuya is doing deep cuts and, um, and then Greg is doing like his own thing. Like it, it's, it's just been really cool to see the way that you guys have, have found ways to, to deliver unique products across the entire, you know, span of, of, of this whole situation. Um, I mean, one thing, one advantage that we have, and I've thought about this, especially in the live streaming thing is that, same advantage that our band has or that your band has for that matter in that when you're covering an era or like a genre yeah. where your choices in terms of songs that you can work into your set list 
are basically infinite. So every one of my shows can be different. Whereas like my favorite indie rock bands, like, you know, if the flaming lips were doing a live stream every Thursday, like you can only watch, uh, Yoshimi battles of pink robots so many times before you're like, okay, I saw that last Thursday, you know? Yeah. Although yeah, if any, if anybody could mix it up, they could, I'm pretty sure. Right. Right. I saw that they did a show where like everybody was in a bubble. Like they were each yeah. was in like individual bubbles as well. I mean, that's a way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's very much their way. Of course they did. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, so as far as the other thing I wanted to talk about, as far as like the live streaming thing is that like your, your rig is really interesting. And, um, just for my own selfish, you know, want to know side, um, can you explain like your whole setup? Because from, from the audience perspective, there are no mics. There's like, I don't see any amps. It's literally just you in a room and the camera looks really good and the room looks really nice, but like, there's all of this stuff happening in, in the background that like you can't really tell where it's coming from. So can you kind of like unpack that a little bit on, on what that setup looks like? Sure. Yeah. Um, kind of by, by good luck, we'd already had this broadcasting camera that we had invested in for Yacht Rock called the Mevo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's great. It's partnered up with Vimeo. So that allow, we got a new Vimeo membership that allows us to, like simultaneously broadcast YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter, like Periscope all at the same time, which is pretty cool. Um, and it has this boost accessory. So it's hardwired into my uh, internet router by Ethernet. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge thing too in, in maintaining like stability um, and not having the stream drop out or look weird or whatever. So that's been, that's probably like the super secret is that. And then um, the other aspect that it has is it has a USB that can go out to uh, um, an interface, right? So I have an old uh, Focusrite interface that I use and just run a mono into um, out of my Logic rig. Okay. Or, and then um, with my Logic rig, I was using my um, Aero interface. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the universal audio plugins, which I'm a huge fan of, like, um, now I'm going to use my Apollo interface. I've kind of rearranged my studio now. So we'll see this week's going to be a test. We'll see how it goes. Um, but in any case, I use like the, the nice interface and then run a mix from that. And that, so that has all of my karaoke tracks, my, that, you know, cause I sing along karaoke to live recordings that our band has made that our engineers send me um, without the vocals, obviously. And then that has all the backing tracks. And then I also can route in like different microphones that are out of the um, frame out of the frame. Yeah. But basically I run like one large diaphragm um, mic. That's kind of like a U87 clone ish kind of thing. I don't have that kind of money, but like, you know, it's a fine mic and I just, slam it on the compression uh in the vox box and then put some reverb on it and it i found like the sweet spot i mean the challenge is always like the acoustic guitar taking up too much of the vocal so a lot of it is getting that mic positioned the right way so it's not getting too much acoustic lead in it and then i have a i think you have one too a helix do you play a helix adam yeah yeah we're we're Uh, big fans yep Uh, and the helix is awesome um 
So I use that for all the electric stuff and then to plug the acoustic in for effects or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, it took a lot of like tinkering and trying this and trying that to get the rig to a point where I was happy with it. But, um, but now because I don't have other gigs to play, it all just stays set up and I'm rolling, you know, every Thursday. You just, yeah, just plug and play. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny. About a year or so ago, I got a, a random text from Kip, who's one of your front of house guys. And he's like, what do you think about that Helix thing? I was like, I, yeah, I, I don't have, I have nothing but nice things to say about it. You know, works really well, does everything I needed to do. And I feel like the next week I was, uh, I was on David's blog and saw that you guys had added one to the, to the setup. So yeah, dude, the thing it, it's righteous. I was always skeptical. I mean, I think if I were doing like if in our band, if I were playing lead, I would probably not, I would probably at least need a cabinet with it. Cause right now I just, you know, I only play acoustic and rhythm electric guitar parts. And for that, I don't even need a cabinet or an amp cause we're all in ears and it's fine. If I were playing lead, I would probably want some to be pushing some air on stage, but um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the thing that just blew me away is, you know, was seeing it was like, it was just so transparent. I was like, how is he doing this? Because it just, it does. It just looks like you're, you're standing in a room and everything sounds great. And I was like, ah, how does he do that? Lots of compression. That's really the thing. I, I like, I've talked to the other guys about it. I'm like, they're, because they asked me the same thing. Like, how do you do it? I'm like, however much compression you think you need, just a lot more. Hmm. <laughs> awesome. Good to know. Yeah. So, um, I guess you guys are, are, are doing your thing and, you know, it, it seems to be, to be tracking really well. Do you have anything on the horizon, uh, anything to look forward to any kind of big stuff, uh, looking towards the end of the year that you, you guys have planned or any, anything that you can, uh, you can kind of divulge to, uh, to the people who are, who are listening. All planning is folly right now. <laughs> that would be my first thing to say. I mean, we have a few tentative things that, you know, we're working, maybe on like some like corporate advertising type stuff. Um, we're working on um, maybe a couple drive-ins. We um, have been talking to a couple companies about like a paywall style full band live stream situation. Um, maybe even we talked recently to that company Topeka who did the Jason Isbell um, live stream where he was able they had the front row thing and he was able to there are like six TVs in front of him and he uh, there there are a bunch of people that paid for these front row tickets and it's like a zoom call with them so he could see all of them while he was playing wow. and then when he was done the audio mixer was able to turn them up and they could clap and like say stuff to him and ask him questions and you know I'm not sure how that's going to work or if it works for like a full band live big loud show, but like those kind of concepts and that kind of um, attention to trying to bring the energy back is kind of where our heads are at. You know, I don't think anybody has the answers, but I like, I like working with people that are asking the right questions. So talking about the whole drive-in situation, you guys did one in uh, Indiana a couple of weeks back uh, for live nation. Is that right? We did. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably as stressed out as I've been really like in a long time. The week leading up to it, week and a half leading up to it, because we were we kind of on the fence as to whether we should do it, but it just felt like okay, Live Nation's doing it. They're going to pump a ton of money into it. I'm sure you know. I think 
they probably lost money even if they sold out all of them, you know, because the production was so massive and Brad Paisley is so expensive and incredible. But like, um, so they offered it to us and it felt like we had to take it. So we took it. And then like two weeks before that show was the Chase Rice show that got a bunch of negative coverage because even though it was a quarter capacity, there was no social distancing enforced. So there were like a thousand people at the front of the venue all together doing exactly the thing that we all understand is probably not the best idea right now. So that press came out and I was like, man, is Live Nation really going to take this distancing seriously or is it just going to be a free for all once people park their cars? Um, and then the Friday before the show, I got a call from our publicist who was like, New York times wants to come cover the show. And I was like, okay, maybe we're going to cancel. I don't know if I can, I don't know. I've always wanted to be in New York times so bad, but I was like, I do not want to be the chump who got panned in New York times for having a stupid non-socially distanced concert. But so we had calls with Live Nation people, and I was I was like, listen, I want to take this seriously. They were like, we're on the same page. And I should have known. Of course they are, because they've got shareholders, you know, that are all watching. Of course they're gonna take it seriously. But I said, you know, I really like to make a video about like following the rules, and I want to send it out in an email to everybody that bought tickets, and I want you guys to project it on the screens before we play. And they were into all of that, and it all ended up going great, but like the the process of making that decision, you know, cause the wrong decision could have been a career killer for us. Percent, right. Sure. Like, um, so it was just a, an incredible amount of, of pressure and a big relief when like it all went okay. And we looked kind of cool in the New York times article and it, like it all turned out like, okay, but it was, it was rough. So were they doing like the radio transmitters, like in the stereo things? I saw that they had like a bunch of relay systems set up like in the fields. Like what was the primary like sound solution that they were using? They brought in a massive PA system. It was all real sound. Wow. This was not a, a drive-in in the traditional sense with the radio transmitters. I think that some of the ones that we're thinking about doing this fall are that situation. But this was like jumbotrons, giant sound, and then the row, you know, there was a whole row of cars and then our audience only got partly into the second row with all the relays and the second set of jumbotrons back here. Like it was definitely the largest concert setup that I've ever seen. It's mm, great. Um, they did it right. And everybody delivered on their promises, which was cool. It's great. I mean, do you think, you know, you, you were the only person of the three of us that was there. I mean, do you think that that's a, a viable option in this, you know, currently, or do you think this is just kind of like a, it was like a test, a proof of concept or, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? I have trouble figuring out how the math wasn't really bad for live nation. Like, I just don't see that like on that scale with that level of awesome production versus what you can realistically charge per car load yeah. and the experience that you're delivering for people. Like it's probably not economically viable we'll some of these other ones we're looking at doing are a little smaller scale and we'll see what those look like um i think there have been some in new jersey where the cars are close together but it's really like you stay in your car and it's radio transmitters and if you get out of your car you have to have your mask on anywhere you go like we'll see i i i don't know i don't know the big scale ones though is definitely going to 
that's going to be like special occasion here and there. It's not sustainable. I don't think. Gotcha. I'll tell you, I'm watching those. I, I wish, ones. I wish I could say something different cause it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm watching those smaller ones closely. Um, those of you seeing the video of this, I talked about this a couple episodes ago. This is, uh, this is the device. This is the device. It's an FM transmitter. I take a line off my board and theoretically fill a parking lot full of car stereos with sound. Cool. Uh, got to experiment with a little bit. Uh, the only thing I know about it is when you plug it in, it makes my computer speakers hum. So it's doing <laughs> something. Something's happening for sure. Uh, but you know, and in you my, like send it out like on the low band or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, on its high band, it is not legal. <laughs> the FCC will come oh. shut you down uh, if they catch you. I don't know, but but on the lower setting, it, it is fine. And um, you know, so I'm just going to play some music through it tomorrow and walk down the street with a portable radio and just see how far I get. And uh, I don't know. This Maybe. may this may be something. Cool. Maybe something we do. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Protect your brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lead underpants and the whole thing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, well, nobody I- in my market here is doing that, especially like bar bands like mine. I'm so far from your <laughs> scale of what you produce. Like my band sets up in the corner of the bar. But if we were the ones putting on the come drive into the parking lot, that would be a game changer for us. It'd be huge. Yeah. Yeah. That, so we've, the, my concern is, and it feels like it's getting, it feels like people are starting to understand the basic, like, social rules of that situation. I think so. When we did it, it felt like I only wanted to do it with Live Nation because I was like, they better, and you know, they had not only security, but they had the sheriff. Like, they were not messing around. And we had someone who wanted to produce one with us here in Atlanta, like, right after that. But it would have been us, you know, hiring the security ourselves and being on the line for that if something went wrong. Yeah. And, like, on a large scale, like, Mm-mm. risk reward there is it just a non-starter for sure i was like no for we're sure. not doing that so yeah i, w- I would want to do it in partnership with somebody i don't know i don't have that yeah, part you want out. you want somebody hiring the security who hires security all the time <laughs> right, right. Who, like who knows yeah. how to run that kind of yeah. thing you know yeah and maybe maybe we're in the the parking lot of a movie theater and they know how to operate concessions in a car hop kind of style yeah, and can exactly. you know work on that out uh, you know there are opportunities is my point yeah. Yeah. I think on smaller, like not trying to do the ginormo dome approach that live nation did for this one. I think there are opportunities, smaller scale. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Nick, do you have any, uh, words of advice to, uh, other musicians who are, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat, regardless of where we've, uh, w- <laughs> the stages we played and the, you know, the things that we've done up to this point, uh, any, any words of advice, encouragement or anything you want to, uh, throw out to, uh, the people listening, um, as far as, you know, next steps, things you, things you think people should be focusing on, uh, focus on staying positive and wearing your mask and hunkering down. Yeah. Like it, uh, you know, we all, that's been the hardest part of this for me is that any problem that I look at, I want to, solve it. And I, my life experience has led me to believe that if I put enough effort towards it, if I stay up all night thinking about it, that I'm going to solve it. You know, I'm, I have confidence in myself and my abilities to do that. And it's been, it's still a battle with me to convince myself that that's not possible. Like this situation is out of our hands. Like if there is anything, any of us needed to be reminded that, that, you know, you don't have control over what's about to happen. This is it. Right. And, uh, like, just don't, 
beat your head against the wall trying to solve it. Just like musicians are in a position where we got to let it kind of go, like let all this filter out and then we can come back. But it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. I think we all can definitely relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we've been saying that what for 20 straight episodes. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. At some point, all of the, what are you going to do with all this time? Just kind of got old. We just couldn't say yeah, that just, again. Who, can, who cares? Yeah. It's hard to focus on like, at least for me, it has been, it's like, I went back through my voice recorder last night, a songs I've been working on. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like all these little ideas, but I haven't been able to partly cause I have a one year old and a four year old, but like, I haven't been able to see an idea, a kernel of a good idea to fruition during this time. Cause you know, you just, you're glued to what's the bad news that's about to come up on my phone. You know, is my one-year-old about to like knock over every microphone stand in my studio? You know, like it's this game of whack-a-mole yeah. that yeah. we're all playing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've, we've definitely talked about like the mixed blessing of the whole situation. Like, you know, I've gotten to spend more concentrated time with my young children than I like we've spent more time together in the past three months and like probably the last year to like combined. Mm -hmm. And that's great. But also, you know, it does eventually like there's other stuff that, you know, needs to happen and it makes doing that difficult when you've got all these other things going on. And it's just, you know, it's, it's just a mix. You kind of have to accept the, the good stuff with the less than good stuff. And, Sure. Try to figure it out for sure. Well, Nick, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Um, do you have any, um, what's the best way for people who are interested in what you're doing or what the band is doing to uh, get in touch with you or check out what you guys have coming up? Um, yachtrockreview.com are just before uh, lockdown uh, redesigned website. Uh, that has all of our non-existent tour dates on it. <laughs> uh, but you know, we're on uh, Spotify and Apple and we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, all yacht rock review. Fantastic. Find us. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you who uh, want to check out what Nick and his band has been up to check out hot dads in tight jeans, which is the name of their current album. Uh, you can find it on all of the uh, streaming platforms that he just referenced. And apparently you guys have it CDs, vinyls and things like that. Are those available on your merch store? They are on our merch store and on Amazon and everywhere that you buy music on the interwebs. Yeah, and you also have those sweet like dad visors too, right? All dad appropriate, dad approved products. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Nick, thanks again for uh, for joining us. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time, uh, guys. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. But I'll go ahead and call it for this week from Atlanta, Georgia. I am Adam Johnson from Greensboro, North Carolina. I am Dan Ray. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 113? Yeah. Is that right? Yep. 113. Have a great week. Wow. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. If you want to help us, be sure to share us with your friends, follow us on social media, and if you haven't already, please leave a review for us on the podcast platform of your choice. Facebook.com slash Cover Band Confidential, Instagram at Cover Band Confidential, and Twitter at Cover Band Confid. If you have any questions, please email us at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com and consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash coverbandconfidential. And for more info, check out www.coverbandconfidential.com.